Let's open our Bibles, please, to the Gospel of Matthew, the sixth chapter. Matthew's Gospel, chapter six. I want to read one verse, and then we'll come back and read the context. I want to read verse 33, and then we'll come back to verse 24. Verse 33, Jesus said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. We're talking about first things first. And then all these things, other things, secondary things, other things that we may have need of shall be added unto you. Now, let's go back and begin with verse 24. Jesus said in verse 24, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on, is not life more than meat and body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all, of his glo- in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field which to- today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, this is our text, and his righteousness in all these things that they've been talking about, Jesus has been speaking of, shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now then, this exhortation is just as much needed today, and maybe even more so, I don't know, but it's just as much needed today as when Jesus first spoke these words. You know, He said, Take no thought for your life, in verse 25. Verse 31, Therefore take no thought. Verse 34, Therefore take therefore no thought. For the morrow. He was speaking of over being over anxious. Do not be over anxious. Do not worry. Do not be overly concerned about it. Sometimes we become too concerned about tomorrow and about today even and the things of the day. And this counsel is needed so much that it's given three times over. Take no thought in this passage of Scripture. Jesus is talking about being preoccupied with the material possessions of life. Being preoccupied so that we, by doing this, we may become anxious and disturbed, sleepless. He's not telling us to be thoughtless and lazy. He's not telling us not to prepare for life. He's not telling us 
that a person does not have to learn responsibility for life. In fact, Paul says in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10 that if a man will not work, neither should he eat. And Jesus is just showing us how that we sometimes can be too overly concerned about this life and the things of this life. We can become so involved in getting that we think little of God and His provisions. We can be so entangled with things that we forget to prepare for eternity. That's why He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He said, Life is more than meat, and body than raiment. And the, the longer we live, the more we realize that life is more than meat, food, and body than raiment. We need to thank God for Every day for life and health and strength and provisions. And life is more than things. Life is more than mammon or food or clothing. It's more than this world. Materialism, worldliness, and possessions can enslave a person to such a degree that it dominates his life. Have you ever heard a person say, well, you know, my house has become, I have become a Slave to my house and to what I have. I have to do so many things. And it gets to be that way sometimes in our lives. We have to take care of ourselves. We have to take care of what we have. And sometimes we just let it become, let it enslave us. And our basic problem is to set priorities and determine what it is to be first in our lives. Why does a man allow himself to be enslaved by possessions? We have, you know, I have more trouble getting rid of things that I have. None of you have that problem, I'm sure. But I have so much stuff. Had the lady that painted our baptistry, they had a place in, in El Paso. And her husband was a, uh, he had all kinds of, uh, he'd tear down old buildings and things and stack the lumber up and this uh, kind of stuff and had storage stuff here and there and sell second-hand stuff all over, you know. And when her husband died before she did, and then later on she had to deal with all of it, they had stuff down the valley and up here in Rio Dosa where this car wash is behind there. And she says, my biggest problem is trying to get rid of stuff. And I wonder if sometimes in the salvage business, that was very true with her, but I wonder sometimes if that's not true with all of us. Our greatest problem is trying to get rid of stuff that we have that we don't need. And we ought to give it to someone that can use it. But we become so enslaved with some of these things that it sometimes make people, makes people sick. It doesn't mean you cannot be sick otherwise, you know. You can be sick because of various things in your life, but uh, sometimes it causes ulcers or high blood pressure, which some of us have, high blood pressure. Other kinds of things, headaches or ulcers or whatever may be caused by being too overly concerned. It doesn't mean these things won't happen to you otherwise, but it does mean that you can really bring yourself into a state of sickness. And a person can be so enslaved by possessions or that he neglects eternal care of his life. There are four things that can be said about the person who is preoccupied with material things. First of all, he is covetous. Jesus said, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have, 
For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Isn't God's presence better than all the other things that we can think of? And he's not only covetous, but he's not wise. He's not as wise as the birds. I want to read a scripture for you from Jeremiah 8 verse 7. It says, Yea, the stork in the heaven knoweth her appointed times, and the turtle and the crane and the swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people know not the judgment of the Lord. My people know not the judgment of the Lord. And the fourth thing, that he's a backslider. He's forgotten the word of God where God says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Isn't that better than all other things? And fourthly, he's not seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now then, this exhortation we're talking about, when Jesus spoke these words, he's talking about fretful care. Many times fretful care enters into the hearts of God's children. Fretful care is altogether unnecessary for a believer. It's needless. We need not have those kind of thoughts. Why is it needless? Because he says, Behold the fowls of the air. He says, Consider the lilies of the field. And he says, Your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things before you ask Him. And he says, O ye of little faith. Fretful care is also useless. He says, Can any of you, by taking thought, verse 27, add one cubit unto a stature? It used to be a cubit they'd consider from your elbow to the fingertips. Your arm's length, and we call it 18 inches in really uh, terms of measurement. But uh, regardless of, someone might say, I have a short arm. Well, you have a short cubit then. <laughs> but uh, the, the Bible teaches, uh, basically, I think you'd come up with a figure probably of uh, around 18 inches. Add uh, one cubit to a statue. So what we say, fretful care is also useless. Can you do anything about it? What good will it do you? Can you, by complaining about uh, the cares of life, add one cubit or even an inch to your stature? And what good will it do the farmer to complain about the rain or the drought? It would be better for him to pray about it, wouldn't it? And the third argument Jesus gives, it's not only unnecessary and it's not only useless, but it's also heathenish. Where do you, you say, preacher, where do you get that? In verse 32 it says, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. In those days, the Gentiles were considered heathenish. And he says, you don't want to be like them. They seek only temporal things. But what does Jesus say? He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Our whole message this morning now, maybe we can concentrate on the very text itself. First, the kingdom of God. And his righteousness that we want to deal with. And he says, seek ye first. And we're talking about putting first thing first. We're talking about having priorities in your life. The Lord puts the most necessary and important things first. And there are many first things in the scripture that we find that take first place. What are they? Let me just give you a few things. that You know, if you go back and study through the Bible, those that are first and important God speaks of them as first. And in the book of Nehemiah, and you won't have to turn to any of these references, this, this is just a gist of things that are first. In the book of Nehemiah, the first gate of the city was Sheep Gate. This is where the sacrificial lambs were brought in and out and brought for sacrifice. Sheep Gate. 
This reminds us of what John said about Jesus when he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This reminds us of Isaiah 53, verse 7, where it says, He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and the sheep before his shares, so he opened not his mouth. So we find that this sheep gate, and this thought of sheep, and this thought of the lamb, this thought of sacrifice, was first even in the council halls of eternity because the Bible says that Jesus was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world, we read of, in the mind and counsel of God. First in the councils of eternity. It's the first and only conversation on the Mount of Transfiguration. When Jesus was transfigured before Peter, James, and John, there appeared Moses and Elijah. And the Bible says in one of the Gospels that they spake of his decease. It's the Gospel of Luke, and you'll find it in the ninth chapter. If you want the transfiguration, it's Matthew chapter 17, Mark chapter 9, and Luke chapter 9. But in Luke's Gospel, it says, They spake of his decease, Christ's death, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. And this is the only conversation that took place there, Moses and Elijah, and with Jesus. They spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. We're talking about first things, or priority of things. Then we find this first in doctrine. Uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you received. And then he says in verse 3, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. It's first in the preaching of the gospel. You preach the gospel, and the first thing he says, that I declare unto you how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. And he was buried and rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. So we're talking about priority and first things first. And it's first in our experience. The Bible says that we need to first be born again, except a man be born again. He cannot enter and see the kingdom of God. It's first as far as... Many things in the Bible, in the Old Testament, there was a brazen altar of sacrifice out in front of the tabernacle. And the first thing there was a sacrifice and bloodshed for the sins of the people. And that had to be the first element or the first piece of furniture, we call it, where the sacrifice was made. So as Brother Nichols read about the cross this morning, that should be first in our lives. As our service continued, our first Obligation is to seek that lost one, as Curtis and Mel sing, sing a sang. And I left for Shirley to sing that song, uh, He Built a Bridge. And you better sing that for us pretty soon, Shirley. And he built it. And that cross is what's spoken of. You'll have to hear that. Listen. It's first as far as our experience. It's first as far as our doctrinal stand. It's first as far as Things are in the Bible. It's the first of the Jewish feast, the Passover. It's the first day of the week. God changed their first month of the year for the Jews on that particular time. There was a feast of first fruits. And now we assemble together and are here together on the first day of the week. And Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Truly, this is something worth seeking for. And I want us to look at two things this morning. First of all, in our message. By the way, that's introduction only. The, the message is about the proper sphere of care. What should we really care for? And then, how we are quietened from all anxious care. 
So the proper sphere of care is just basically what we've been talking about in the introduction is the first things first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seek first to enter into the kingdom of God. It doesn't say seek first the world. Do not seek men out or not earthly kingdoms or not earthly things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. And His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Now, we need to first seek to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus said, except a man be born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So, if we are seeking first things first to enter the kingdom of God, we have to enter it by faith and we have to believe on Christ and we have to be born again. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. We at once begin, once we enter the kingdom of God and are born again by believing the gospel that Christ died for our sins, that He was buried, that He rose again the third day for our justification. He rose for our justification. He was delivered for our offenses. And we receive Him as Savior. As many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them which believe on His name. So then you immediately enter. Once you enter the kingdom of God by faith in Jesus Christ, you begin to enjoy the privileges of it. All the wealth of God, all the joy, and all the peace is ours. It belongs to us. That's why a Christian can be happy. Because his sins are forgiven. Because he has now the Lord Jesus Christ. He has the Holy Spirit to lead him and guide him. He has all the joys of Christian living. He has all the promises of the future, of the present and the future. Someone says, well, has God just promised to take care of our future? No, He's promised to take care of us all the way, here and now. The Bible says, my God shall supply all your need. He says, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. So we enjoy the privileges of being a child of God. And then we seek to extend this privilege and this blessing to others. It's our duty to serve God and to live for God and to glorify God. It's our duty and responsibility to, to give the message out to other folks. Do you want to just go to heaven by yourself or do you want to take some with you? Paul spoke of those Thessalonians and he says, You're my joy and my rejoicing at the coming of Christ. You're my joy and my crown. When? At the appearing of Christ. We used to sing those songs, Will there be any, any stars in my crown? And when you come to that course, it says, no, not one, no, not one. That's sad, isn't it? The stars in your crown will be there because of what you've done here in this life. Your rewards, we'll call them rewards in heaven. And Jesus promises that there will be many rewards. He says, if, they serve, if we serve and our uh, works are like gold, silver, and precious stone, they shall receive a reward. But if it's like wood, hay, and stubble, it'd be burned up and be lost. And we won't have the reward at the judgment seat of Christ. Not only to enter the kingdom of God, but another thing to be sought is His righteousness. We have first Christ's imputed righteousness. That's given to us. But we seek God's righteousness as well. That is to seek to be, um, uh, as a result of imputed righteousness, to live righteously. We seek it by prayer, and we seek it by faith, and we want to have a holy character. We seek to be right, not to be rich, to be just, not to be unjust, to be obedient to God, not to be disobedient. We seek it as goodly pearls. 
seek to spread righteousness in the world. Stand up for Jesus everywhere, anywhere, because he stands for that which is true and right. And then another thing, we're not only to seek to enter the kingdom of God, and we're to seek his righteousness, but we're also to seek it in order of time. When do you seek the Lord? About midday or early in the morning? When we wake up, we ought to say, early in the morning, each day, we ought to say, this is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We also ought to pray at night for forgiveness of all of our dirty steps during the day. Sandal feet or barefoot we got in the dirt and the mud. All the things that went wrong. Each week, we assemble together on the Lord's Day. This is a good time to... Put God first, isn't it? And see, young people need to seek God first before anything else. That's why the boys and girls and children need to be taught in Sunday school and by their families as well. Especially by their families, but if not, certainly the Sunday school teachers, we have a great responsibility. So, first, we're talking about first. And for young people, they should seek God first and then seek their career, then seek their a business, then their mate, if you want to put it in some order, family, home, do it in the right way. And you know, if we could get our young people started off on the right foot, they'd end up with more successful and blessed lives. And I'm thankful for the many that we have that are that fit that in that category. So what? Seek the Lord first, then your career, then your business, then your mate, then your family, then your home, then things that you uh, should have. And it's first in order of values as well as time. What's most valuable to you? Someone says, my health. Well, you need to seek health, but first the kingdom of God, and He'll give you the health. You need knowledge and wisdom, but the Bible says, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Someone says, well, I need, I need uh, some wealth at all. Yes, but it says to lay up yourself treasures in heaven. He'll take care of the physical and material. Seek ye first. And who's he talking about? Talking to. Jesus said, seek ye. He's speaking to his own. He's speaking to his own disciples, his own followers. You who are his children. What? You that belong to the Lord. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, he's telling you to put first things first. All these things shall be added unto you. You for whom he provides. You who call him your heavenly father. He says, your heavenly father knoweth that you have need of all these things. So if he's your heavenly father, he's talking to us, isn't he? You who are his favored people, the sheep of his pasture. So if you want to have cares, take thought. Care for God. Care for nothing else. If you want to worry, worry about your sins and confess them. If you want to agitate yourself, agitate yourself for righteousness. But not about temporal things. But we do that too often. You know what worry is? It's like rubbing two rocks together. Just grinding away. It's fretting. Do you want to be seen sitting down on the side of the road with two rocks in your hand? Just rubbing them together? That's a picture, kind of a picture of worry. So we talked about the proper sphere of care and how... Now then, we're talking about how can we quieten all anxious care. All things that are necessary for this life will come to us. The Bible says, Trust in the Lord and do good, and so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. That's Psalm 37, verse 3. 
What are you to do? Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. And you've heard people say, well, I just can't make both ends meet. Therefore, I have to work on Sunday all the time, and I have to do this, and I don't have time for God, and I don't have time for prayer, and don't have time to read my Bible, and don't have time for church. What's your priority? All, that's all the more reason if you can't make both ends meet, so to speak, if you want to put it in that category. That's all the more reason to pray. That's all the more reason to study God's Word. That's all the more reason to seek God and God's guidance, and He will work those things out. But you see, you don't have your priorities straight. And that's the problem with many people today. It's time to pray. I remember when I was going to seminary in Fort Worth, I had uh, my wife and uh, Daryl was just a baby, and our daughter had, was not yet born, and then she was born while we were there. And I was going to seminary and school full-time and working from when I'd get back home pouring concrete and finishing the concrete sometimes in the middle of the night. We poured the porches and the steps all in one time with a stem and had to finish the porches out and then get up at 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning and get to school and put in a full school term. And you know what? That was what I needed to do. That was first. In my life. And God supplied the needs. And we had to trust in the Lord. And when I was without a job, I had to pray. Sometimes I'd get out of work, and most of the time I had work. But if I ever got out of a job, Louise and I would pray, and I'd go over to Arlington or somewhere in Fort Worth, and I'd find the work. Almost immediately. Almost the first contact I'd make, because I'd try to search out the places where I knew they needed a carpenter. And we prayed. Jesus says, ask and you shall receive. And he had also given us a promise. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. In some way God will provide, but let it be God's way, not our way. David said, I have been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Now he said, all these things shall be added unto you. These things are the necessary things of life. Not especially all the luxuries, though God gives us many of those. Has not God given us many luxurious things that we do not deserve? And yet, on the other hand, we're not to seek especially beyond what things we have need of. But it seems that when God supplies what we have need of, He has over an abundance if we follow His, His uh, guidance in His Word. That He gives us above what we ask or think as we uh, find in the book of Ephesians. All these things. And these things shall come to us by the way of promise because He's promised to add these things. Right? He says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things. And what was He talking about? The food, the clothing, the necessities shall be added unto you. So we have, the, we have the fact that we get them by the way of God's promise. They shall come to us by the way of infinite wisdom. Someone says, well, I have this kind of need and that kind of need and the other kind of need. The Lord knows how much of anything we have need of. We don't have any need of beyond what God knows that we have need of. Someone says, well, I need this and I need that and I need the other and you can name a thousand things. But you don't. the Bible says this, and we should say it in the words of Scripture, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. You read Proverbs 30, verse 8. There's more to it than that. But he says, give me, give me neither poverty 
nor riches. But he says, feed me with food convenient for me. You do exactly what you know I have need of. Is the impact of that verse of Scripture. These things will come to us without fretting and fuming. Sometimes the more people fret and fume about material things, the less they have. You can have a vicious cycle of problems in that way. I heard, heard of someone say it this way about a certain person. said, they have a bottomless pit of needs. And sometimes there are people that just feel like they tell you, I need this, I need that, I need that, and I need that. And they're never satisfied with anything that God has given them. If you'll be thankful for what God has given you, He might see fit to give you a little more, in all seriousness. But if you're always complaining about what you do not have, some of that might be taken away of which you do have. You know, I've known people with beautiful voices that could sing specials, and all of a sudden they haven't used them for God's glory, and it's gone. They'd like to recover from it. Isn't that a sad thing to not use your talents? Someone says, well, I I can teach in Sunday school. Well, why don't you do it then? We want you to do it. I can sing. I can sing a special. Well, why don't you do it? And you're invited. If you have talents in this church, we don't want to put you on the back burner. We want you to uh, use what you have for God's glory. And I'm thankful that we have many that do. They're faithful in doing it. But don't be fretful and fuming about what you do not have. If God gives you wealth, Thank God for it. Pray for the grace that you may uh, use it in the right way and share it with someone that needs something. But do not expect it to come. Learn to be content with what things you have. doesn't mean you're to be lazy and say, I'm going to just quit. No. Some set their main goal in life to become rich. They toil and they labor, and when they've gained the wealth that they sought, their health is gone or their mind fails, and they're not able to enjoy it. One of the nurses down at the hospital the other day said, they didn't want to wait till they got to be as old as I am, <laughs> 70 or 80 years old, to buy an RV and go and travel anywhere. This uh, younger lady nurse says, I want to get one now and do it now while I can. Well, I, that's the best time. If you, go, you better be healthy enough to enjoy it, or there's no point in it, is there? And if you do have any... Uh, opportunities to enjoy the blessings of life that God has bestowed upon you. Enjoy them while you have life. Don't wait until you're not able to enjoy them. So many things in life are just that way. We need to enjoy it now and thank God for it now. He said all of these things shall be added to you. So let's learn this lesson. This is the end of the message. Let's learn this lesson to put first things first. Let's put first the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Both for ourselves and for other people. Let's put that first for ourselves. And then Jesus tell others that salvation should be first in their life. That they need to be saved. The Bible tells us that you must be born again. Neither is there salvation in any other. There is none other name under heaven given among men. Whereby we must be saved. That's Acts chapter 4 verse 12 I believe it is. So we find that first things in the lives of people... And if we don't put those things first, then we miss the mark. Then His righteousness. Put righteousness of God first. You know, Jesus said when He was baptized, thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. If you're a saved person, you ought to be baptized. If you're a saved person, you ought to be taught God's Word. You ought to be taught to attend the house of God and to do it. That should be first in your life. Not your social life. 
not other things in your life. You know, if we could get people to realize that attending the house of God is very important. I mean, the, the Bible teaches it is. The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And the Bible says in Hebrews 10, verse 25, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. It's right to, to be baptized if you, if you accept Christ. First, you need to seek the kingdom of God. You need to be saved. You need to follow the Lord in baptism. It's right to attend the house of God. It's right to pray. The Bible says pray with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. It says pray for all saints. Jesus said that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And you know what else He said? Jesus said, when you pray, enter into your closet and pray to your Father which is in secret. He didn't say there, if you pray, did He? He said, when you pray. We need to be more pe- people of more prayer in our lives. If we pray more, we'll do more of what is right in the sight of God. It's right to be to honor the Lord with our first fruits. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, verse 9, Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. So he said, Honor the Lord first of all thy increase. It's right to be merciful and kind and forgiving. Paul said in Ephesians 4.32, forgiving one another. It's right to encourage or strengthen the brethren. The Bible says that we need to receive him that is weak in the faith, but not to doubtful dispositions, disputations. It's right for us, let me close with this thought, it's right for you and I to hold forth the word of truth and to feed the hungry soul on the word of God, to preach the gospel. My business is to preach the gospel. And Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 16, holding forth the word of truth. And if anyone should hold forth the word of truth, it's Bible-believing Baptists today. And we should hold it forth and give it forth that other people may be saved. And I believe that it's our responsibility. If we don't accept that responsibility, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? And that's what we try to do before you each and every service is tell you of the... of. The things that are first, this morning we tried to point out, the first thing, as far as experience is concerned, is to be born again, is to receive Christ. The first thing in in your faith is, the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. And it, it says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And then we need to follow through. And then if we receive 